Okay, you ready? I'm ready. You ready for the intro? All right, you ready? Are we, oh, are we gonna just record the intro right now? Hi, I'm Pampered Lawyer. And I'm the Dead of Day. And together, we're, we're Full Circle, Circle of Healing. Hi, welcome everyone. I'm Pampered Lawyer. And I'm the Data Dame. And together we're Full Circle of Healing. Today we would like to introduce ourselves, tell you what we're about, and what we're trying to accomplish together. Love it. So back in 2018, mm-hmm. I had gotten walking pneumonia. I remember that. And my health literally that one day I felt like I was completely healthy and the next it felt like my life was falling apart. At that time I was raising my daughter on my own. Single mom. Single mom. Mm-hmm. In the practice of law. <laughs> having yeah. in private practice by myself. And that was the first time in raising her since she was five weeks old by myself that I had to be honest with myself and felt that I had to put my health before her. Yeah. And openly expressed to her dad that I could not continue to do things the way that I was and that I really needed help. I don't remember the exact specific circumstances, but I do remember I was in a gas station near our house and just reflecting on how did I get here? How did this happen? And at the time, I really believed that being a single parent with a minimal support system, going through law school as a single parent, and just the daily stressors of life, that it all had just really caught up to me. And you were working full time. So I was working. Yes. That. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was working full time while I was going to law school and while I was providing for my daughter. So I, I really believed at that time that it was just life catching up to me in the biggest way possible. Mm-hmm. And so I created this hypothesis in my head of, is there a way that I could reverse what damage had been done? Thinking that it was all life circumstantial. So I posed this hypothesis in my head of, is there a way to reverse this, you know, or at least at a minimum mitigate it? In the law, there's a concept of making a plaintiff whole. And that's where I came up with the name Full Circle of Healing. The concept in the law is, you know, a plaintiff comes to the court to seek relief, to be made whole or to be made whole as possible. So in my mind, I'm thinking it was life circumstances that had created this detriment to me, this physical and mental detriment to me. And could I be proactive in restoring some of that detriment, restoring some of that loss and making myself whole again, or at least if not whole again, as whole as possible again. Sarah and I became friends in 2012. Our daughters were going to school together at that time. They were good friends. They were good friends. I was in law school at the time. I was getting close to the end. I had about a year left. And we instantly took to one another. And I would say immediately became friends. We hit it off that first time, like right off the bat. When you know, you know. (laughs) So, you know, we just, we hit it off, and I do feel like it was mutual that we just immediately became friends. And I'm an introvert. I was not looking for friends. (laughs) I was like, I'm good. (laughs) And there you were. So, and then at some point around that 2017, 2018, 2019 period, both of our health started to seriously deteriorate. You know, it was sometime after that 40-year marker, but for both of us, and Sarah will get into her story in a little bit, it was more than just natural aging. Right. This was a sharp left turn because we were both very vibrant, athletic, healthy people. Healthy people when we met. Something was going on. We were both, in our own rights, super women. 
when we met. I agree. Yes, we were. <laughs> I was Superwoman. And so for both of us around the same time to be struggling with health issues, we started confiding in one another. For me, in mm-hmm. 21, November 2021, my health and physical well-being took a serious nosedive. Yeah. When I broke out in a total body rash and something became really wrong and I have never been the same since. And this is where I appreciate our friendship in where we both were healthy women when this started. So we know what the other was like Mm -hmm. pre-chronic condition, pre-autoimmune condition. Yeah. I'm still awaiting diagnosis, although I have had a doctor tell me that I have an autoimmune condition, but you used to not treat me for it. Okay. So we began to learn that even though we have very different health problems, especially from an autoimmune condition standpoint, Mm -hmm. we deal with a lot of the same struggles. And we still are very, very much in the trenches of getting ourselves back to a new level of normalcy, but we both know that we're we're not even close to where we know we can be and need to be. And so we really started to confide in and find support in one another in dealing with that. You know, and I got to say for me, that's the only thing that's really helped me get through this (laughs) you know having another person that I know can relate to me we both have very supportive husbands neither one of them though have autoimmune conditions so even though while we deal with very separate distinct ailments the daily struggles that we deal with in having autoimmune conditions are the same the more (laughs) that we became open and vocal about, well, hey, this is what's going on with me, what's going on with you, and start reaching out to other people, finding that there's a lot of common thread there. While there are definitely support systems for that, and Mm -hmm. I I would highly, highly encourage getting involved and getting, like, if you have a diagnosis and you you know what your treatment path is, to get plugged Mm -hmm. in with, like, similar people, um, because it's going to help. A lot. But so at, at some point in time, I just, you know, said to Sarah, I remember I had these two doctors say to me, they're like, well, you know, the issue is either medical or mechanical. And they kept saying to me, well, you know, based upon this, based upon that, we believe that your issues, your ailments are, are mechanical, not medical, right? I remember even saying to one of the doctors, I'm like, well, if this is mechanical, this car is broken down (laughs) on the side of the road and I need a new one. But I remember like I would tell Sarah, I'm like, it's like nobody can seem to figure out what's going on with me. I know my body so well. I've always been attuned to my body. Mm -hmm. I was a competitive runner as young as the sixth grade. I earned my varsity letter in cross country in the eighth grade. I had a car accident when I was a sophomore in high school where I had a head-on collision with a Bronco and the dashboard and the tow pan, the entire car came crashing into me. So I had 70 stitches in my head and I blew out the cartilage in both of my knees, which ended my running career. But to have these doctors then be like, oh, well, you just have osteoarthritis. Okay, I've had osteoarthritis since I was 16. I know what osteoarthritis feels like. And I would keep saying, no, no, this is something else. And, you know, even though I did have that major change to my life that did change my physicality, I was out of school the rest of my sophomore year. I was initially in a wheelchair. They were not even sure that I was ever going to walk again. Wow. I had situational amnesia to where I'd be brushing my teeth and forget what I was doing. (laughs) I mean, you know, so because I had major head trauma. (laughs) But still, I, when I went back my junior year, I tried to go back to cross country because cross country was my love. 
I ran indoor and outdoor track to stay in shape, but I loved cross country. I tried to return for that fall season about a week or two into it, realized my body could no longer sustain competitive running. And that was my first reality in life that you have to listen to your body and you have to do what's best for your body. It's a hard lesson to learn. Yeah, and I've never been a quitter. <laughs> However, I did have to gracefully bow out and never could run competitively again. That did help me become more well-rounded as a person though that I did take a couple years to just get involved in other activities and got onto speech and debate, got onto mock trial, you know, and eventually I did become a lawyer. <laughs> so, you know, a lot came from that, you know, that I did become, I was a lot more than just an athlete then. I was a lot more well-rounded. And also too, it taught me to adapt because of the fact that my body craves activity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Being just an academic was not conducive with my body's needs. And so eventually I got into swimming and became a lifeguard, you know, and learn how to adapt and overcome that I could no longer be a competitive runner. And I got into pageantry, you know, when I was a teenager and, mm -hmm. and, and young adult, again, just rounding out, you know, my extracurricular activities and my life as a person. It did force me to get into other things that I feel made me a better person, you know, overall anyway. Mm -hmm. I did later on in my early 20s become a uh, MP in the military. So I did continue. So badass. <laughs> so I, I did continue to have an active lifestyle, even though I could no longer be a competitive runner. And so when I have these doctors then go in, oh, well, you know, it's this or it's that. I'm going, mm-mm, mm-mm, no. I know my body, right. and it's something else. So I definitely encourage everyone, if you're not already well acquainted with your body, become well acquainted with your body. Learn to listen to your body. Learn your body, get to know your body, and listen to your body, because it really is your best friend in this process. And at the end of the day, no one can tell you how you're feeling. So back to our our timeline in way of our medical conditions and mm -hmm. chronic illness. And in 2013, I graduated from law school on Mother's Day. I don't know if you remember. It was oh, Mother's I do. Day or not. I do. Yeah. On Mother's Day and took the bar that July and... Being a sole provider for my daughter, I was working full-time at a very large firm at the time. We had an arrangement that preparing for the bar that I would work 35 hours a week and work through lunch <laughs> with the understanding that I would walk out the door at either 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon and could not be disturbed. Essentially gave up my lunch did 40 hours worth of work in 35 with the peace of mind that at least once I left, it was left at the doorstep so I could prepare for the bar. So they had given me the time off for me to go take the exam. However, that's the only time I have. So the week prior to going down and taking the bar exam, I had 80 hours worth of litigation that I had to get done in 35 hours. <laughs> So that was a very stressful week. That Friday, I had what I would call like an outer body experience <laughs> to where I had gotten so stressed. I was just shaking and, and something just did not feel right. It felt like something had snapped in my body. And of course, contacting my best buddy. Well, you had been saying for weeks, I don't feel right. I'm not sick, like I don't have the flu. I'm just really exhausted all the time, and I feel like I can't get my A game back. You just kept saying, I can't get back on my game. And so even after I took the bar exam, so for me it was a it was a three-day exam, like I just kept saying to like anybody who would listen, you know, and a lot of my friends, colleagues, professors, and, and especially Sarah, I'm like, 
I'm like, I'm just so fatigued. I'm mm-hmm. like, I just don't feel right. This is, and everybody's like, well, you got, you got to realize you're dealing with like a long-term, you know, burnout and all of this and everything, which all was very true. But then, true. but then it was like months was passing and then it was like six months was passing. It was like, at what point am I going to feel better? And I would say to date, we would say, I really never have felt better. You, I never heard you say I feel normal again. Yes. Yeah. So we never got there. So so we do believe that was the, the turning point. Yeah. Which I just had my 10-year licensure anniversary. Yeah, yeah, it was like weeks passed, months passed, years passed. I'd say, how are you feeling? You're like, I feel worse. I'm not getting better. And we went through all the things like, well, you're tired. Well, it's your schedule. Well, you need to take some things off your plate. Let's check your thyroid. Why don't you get your vitamins checked? Maybe it's your vitamin D. You know, you go through all the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny because when I went through law school, going through as a single parent, you know, we would all say I was on my A game. She was Wonder Woman. I saw her. And I and I would I would tell Sarah, it was like, man, girl, I'm like, I'm on my C or D game. I'm Which like, her C or D game would be most people's A game. So not to diminish your illness, well, I'm just you. saying. She was a force that, with which to be reckoned. And then I'm like, girl, I'll just take a B minus at this point. Like, I don't even need an A game again. Just just give me a B minus. Yeah. <laughs> so couldn't really pinpoint. It was like what was really going on or or what was what was really wrong mm-hmm. that was 2013 then mm-hmm. 2014 to date <laughs> is the worst year of my life early in 2014 i opened my own shingle started my own private practice this entrepreneur mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the very beginning yeah i had a daughter that was in high school at the time mm-hmm. she was mm-hmm. doing a self-paced learning mm-hmm. That she would not have been able to do had it not been for me being in private practice. So, yeah, you know, I was a new baby lawyer (laughs) raising a teenager in high school trying to keep the lights on. The big joke between me and my brother, my brother's a computer graphic artist and growing up his art was all he was ever interested in and stuff and I'm like yeah but you know so hard to make it as an artist you know and then our big joke was he was the six-figure artist and I was the starving lawyer (laughs) you know I'm like I had just opened my own business (laughs) and had to get clients so that was the beginning of 2014 Mm -hmm. and my dad was not in good health at the time Mm -hmm. and had been struggling for for quite a while I would say I would say at graduation in 2013, mm-hmm. he seemed to be doing good, but I later felt like he was just putting a yeah. strong face on because all our family was here and I was graduating law school. I think so too. Yeah, because really shortly after, he he really diminished very quickly. Yeah. So all of 2014, really, my father was in and out of the hospital while I was trying to build a practice, yeah. while I was trying to raise a teenage daughter. Yeah. So it was just a really, really tough year. And when I took the bar at the time, I don't know if you know this or not, at the time I was dating a bodybuilder. <laughs> Did you know that? I did not know about Actually, that. Actually, I have a little like, story I knew about, about your boyfriends. I did not know about that one. Yeah. So that must have been, like, right after we met, like, that first year. No, I did well, not know Well, it was while that. I was taking the bar. I'll get to well, that. I remember the bar. Well, I'll get to that. I don't that. remember him. I'll get to a story about that in a minute. Um, so. <clears throat> I need pictures later. <laughs> well, there's one. It's on my Facebook page. <laughs> we'll be going on your Facebook page later. <laughs> so anyway, but, and as I mentioned, I had been in pageantry in my, you know, uh, teens and, and early mm-hmm. 20s, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, actually, it all started. This pageant girl. It actually all started at the graduation banquet because I had that overhaul makeover I remember yeah and everybody was complimenting like dang we didn't know Christine cleaned up like that <laughs> and I'm she like did. it's amazing what a little what, what some sleep and makeup will do <laughs> you know I had a little bit of my own little secret goal because it was the only summer the entire time that I raised my daughter that I had me time for the whole summer right wow yeah so I was like, I had this little inner goal 
that not only did I want to take the bar and pass it the first time, but I wanted to look hot doing it. Well, hell yeah. So not only was I working for this firm and studying for the bar, but I would go working out like almost every day. And I remember one time, one of my friends from law school who was going through the commercial bar prep with me, I talked about going on a date with this guy and she was like, she's like, yeah, all this going on. I don't understand how you have time to go on a date. I pull up this picture on my phone. I show her a picture of him. She goes, oh, now I understand how you have time to go. And I was like, yeah, that's what I So, but remember, I also, I also was the single mom going through law school oh yeah put herself through law school by the way put myself through law school absolutely absolutely you know while taking care of the teenage daughters so when i would go to work at that really big firm sometimes i look i i'll just be honest i would look jacked up sometimes and i don't know if you remember the attorney that i told you about that was like my mentor for lack of better word oh yeah but he was at least 10 years my junior Mm -hmm. and had Mm -hmm. and had only graduated from law school two years before me Mm -hmm. i remember and he was funny he was he was the son of a doctor you know kind of raised uh from a silver spoon and he even said like i don't understand how you're able to do this uh-huh. even entertain being able to do this but he was so used to see me looking jacked up all the time when i had posted the pictures for my swearing ceremony with the guy in the pictures i actually caught him having it pulled up on his screen at work and it cracked me up because it was like he was looking at the picture, and then he looked back at me. Because <laughs> he he's like, how, like, how do you go from there to there? But also, too, if he actually looked at my uh, swearing-in picture, like, I cleaned up well. <laughs> so we let's go back to that Friday a minute when I was like, I had an outer body experience. Something didn't feel right. Literally felt like something snapped in my body. Okay? I was in very good physical condition at my normal healthy adult weight that's july of 2013 so now let's talk about 2014 again i did notice that over the course of 2014 i gained 40 pounds and i am the type of person who cognitive of my weight sure my body craves activity so i feel best when I am active and I I didn't put so much weight on the fact <laughs> pun, pun intended I didn't put so much weight on the fact that <laughs> that I had gained 40 pounds because there were other times in my life that you know I went through hard times was sick and had put weight on before mm-hmm. and knowing how stressful it was caring for my father in that year I didn't put Mm. so much stock in the that I gained 40 pounds my first real red flag in this whole thing and that would be a piece of advice to everyone is one listen to your body Mm -hmm. to acknowledge your red flags was that I couldn't lose the weight well that's an alarming amount of weight you know five or ten pounds especially for women we go through things in life and hormone changes and all of that. And I'm not talking about menopause because, girl, I'm in the middle of that right and now. And that's a whole other episode. <laughs> <That's a different laughs> episode. 40 pounds in the span of, say, six months is, that's a huge red flag. That is some something's happening. Wrong. Right. Yeah. I would Especially I would if agree. everything else in your life has not changed. You have not drastically changed your diet or, you know, that that would be a red flag. Yeah, but what really alarmed me was when all of my tips and tricks that I had always done in the past as an athlete, as just an Uh, active person in my adult life, none of it worked. So you couldn't lose the weight on top of And that's what alarmed me was that I I didn't, you know, I would go through those times in life where I would put a little bit more weight on, but I'd go, I'm feeling a little fluffy. You know, the pants are a little tight. Mm -hmm. And I had all my little tips and tricks (laughs) in my pockets of what to do to get the weight off and 
and it, it was it wasn't working nothing was working and mm-hmm. that's that's what alarmed me it was like that's mm-hmm. what was different the not putting the weight on because you know of a uh, a year period span of stress mm-hmm. yeah that was a lot of weight more weight than i would have normally put on sure. But it was also to date the worst year of my life. Yes. Even compared to caring for my terminal mom, which you were a big part of. So So you had the weight gain and the fatigue that you never could get rid of. So those were kind of your two first red flags. Those were my first real red flags. This, like, level of fatigue that I'd never experienced before, the weight gain, and then more so the inability to get it back Mm. off. That would be a big one. So... Especially when just a year earlier, I gained, I gained, we call it the law school 25. When you're in college, you have the freshman 10. Mm-hmm. In law school, you have the law school 25. Seriously, it's a statistical number. Oh, I know. Yes. <laughs> well, while, I, while we were waiting to take our pictures for graduation, I went down the whole line of all my classmates to take a little Q&A about how much weight they gained and the average weight gained was 25 pounds so you know i had lost that weight i had lost my law school weight because i was fit and trim when i went and took that bar exam so that was my first real red flag was the weight couldn't come off but again it was like okay you know and i would have doctors tell me this all the time well look at your lifestyle you're a single mom you're a lawyer that it's like oh well so they would chalk it all up to stress and and my lifestyle. They love and, to do that. If you if you're not a smoker, because they always say, "Oh, well, you smoke. That's why you have any symptom in the world." But the second one is, um, oh, especially for women. Oh, it's stress. It's stress. Yeah. It could be so, cancer. They're gonna look at you and go, "It's stress." It's stress. Which look, don't get me wrong. Stress will kill you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and we're gonna get. <laughs> In later episodes. You're like, no, something's really wrong. No, something's yeah. really wrong with me, you know. Yeah. And so it wasn't then until 2018 mm-hmm. my daughter had gotten walking pneumonia. I got walking pneumonia from mm-hmm. her. And walking pneumonia will affect your your heart. I was in a urgent care. <laughs> and the doctor noticed that I was having a lot of shallow breathing and she was like well do you have asthma and I was like no I was like um I did have a bad case of pneumonia you know some years ago Um, my lungs are damaged because of it Mm -hmm. I did have a version of what they called situational asthma at the time don't anymore the answer is no I do not have asthma and unfortunately and look it's just like anything in life And I can really appreciate this, especially as a lawyer. Like, you have all different levels and breeds of all kinds of people and industries. She never looked outside the box that it could have been anything other than asthma. She was fixated on asthma. She was there to treat me for walking pneumonia in the middle of flu season. And so she was like, well, she, she just kept questioning if I have asthma right so she ends up putting me on bed rest for like two or three days Uh and I had some major cases coming up and I was like hey yeah okay great but and um her response was well you're the lawyer figure it out then I contact my primary care physician a day or two later while Uh I'm on bed rest and like hey look this is what went on you know I had to go visit them after hours and he's like there was something in the conversation that we had that alarmed him because he is a private practitioner on his own and he was like uh i need you to come in i'll work you in and a doctor who works by themselves is not normally inclined to just a you need to come in now yeah i'll work you in i went in and saw him and he took about an hour to do a fairly thorough examination of me He apologized for the experience that I had from his colleague and said on three different times during that examination that I was on the verge of stroking out (laughs) and used the actual term stroking out. That's sort of when my medical and physical well-being hit me in the face. I think that was your wake-up call. That really was my wake-up call. 
You had been dismissed a couple of times. I think that was the first time that the gravity of the situation really hit you. Instead of being dismissive about like, oh, well, it's not, it's not asthma, like been asked questions and stuff. And one of the things we talked about was I was living in an apartment at the time that I had to go up two flights of stairs. And I was like, yeah, you know, getting up the stairs has been a lot harder lately. And I just really thought it was, I'm 42, I'm over 40. Uh-huh. And I haven't been to the gym in a while. And when he said on multiple times within that examination, there was a real possibility at 42. Like it was a grave reality at 42 that one day I could have just not woken up. That's when I began to realize that I was dealing with very serious health issues And I I feel like the validation that I'd gotten from him, Mm -hmm. that this was not just about a walking pneumonia, and it's just the walking pneumonia caused it to kind of in my face. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that uh, I felt like I had the courage to say, you know, I have to put my health first. That's when I really began to develop this concept of, self-love, self-care, making my health and physical well-being a number one priority. I had always prioritized my daughter over everything. Well, of course. Yeah. Our parents. And, and so that was really, I would say, the first time in my life that I had a level of self-love to say, I have to come first. I have to put myself at the top of this list, at least for a time, <laughs> you know, until because I you don't mess with order. your heart. And when the doctor says you're going to have a stroke, that's yeah. when you need to it, put it on really, the brakes yeah, and go, it really, okay. It really, really is a wake up call. And that's when I started to have this notion like, well, is it, you know, my life circumstances? leading up till now that caused me to be in this place or not? And is there anything that I can do about this to restore myself, make myself whole Mm -hmm. or as whole as possible again? And that's when I really began on that journey. And I would say the first real big difference that my inner circle noticed was like I became the pamper queen (laughs) it was like you want to talk about self-care self-care was my middle name (laughs) and we started having a little like pamper party oh yeah and going to the spa Mm -hmm. we'll get more into that down the road about some of the things that we've done to for pampering and self-care for ourselves Mm -hmm. one of the traditions that we started that I absolutely love is at the end of the year when you got all the holiday chaos, we go on like an end of the year pamper weekend where we just get away from all of it and just it's care like for our ourselves. Christmas present to each other. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, it started as like a one-time thing and we're like, we need to do this regularly. And, and it is important to prioritize yourself regularly right and this is where I love especially in meeting with like doctors and stuff to where it's like because we were along for each other's journey it's like it's not just one person recollecting the timeline or the situation or whatnot the next real red flag we noticed was when we went on a beach trip together and we were walking from the pier back to our hotel and it was a good bit of distance It was either that night or the next day. I'm like, we did all this walking in the sand. Why are my arms hurting? Like, why are my shoulders and my arms hurting? That doesn't make sense. First of all, I would be hoping that nothing was hurting, that I was in a good enough condition, a good enough physical shape, that nothing would have been hurting. But given the physical activity that we did in relation to the pain that I was experiencing, It just didn't add up. You kept telling me, I I feel terrible and I don't know why. And I was like, okay, we'll take it easy. We'll, we got this. And it was so frustrating to you because you kept trying to rationalize where the pain was coming from. And Sarah has her own story. And I think this would be a good segue to start getting into Sarah's story where she was having issues with her thyroid and she was experiencing similar symptoms and pains and that's where she was like, well, you know, like just threw the, the thyroid thing out there. And as soon as we got back from the beach, I ordered 
kid. And I made her draw my blood for the home kit. And we tested my thyroid. And my results were that, like, my cholesterol was off the charts, which, you know, 20 years of chronic stress will do that. (laughs) But, you know, my thyroid levels were fine. And so then I'm I'm kind of at a loss again. It's like, this isn't adding up. This is definitely a red flag. But I don't really have any answers. Well, with so many chronically ill people, it's a process of elimination. And we're still in that process of elimination. So for for both of us, you just have to keep testing and use deductive reasoning to to finally reach a diagnosis. I mean, you and I are still in that process. I've been in it for five years and I'm still getting diagnosed. Yeah. So if you will just get into your story a little bit and share your timeline. Sure. And then I want you to talk about how you came up with this. Okay. This idea. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, super healthy person, was never sick as a child, energy for days. My husband and I have three kids. We had some foster children too for a while, which was amazing. He and I love hiking, camping, swimming. We're very active. We would always get the kids involved. Just going along. At one point, we had all the kids and I was working a full-time job and running my own professional photography business. Listen, I had it going on. Yeah, she was her own superwoman. (laughs) We were rocking and rolling and I never thought anything of it. I hardly ever got sick. The children hardly ever got sick. We were really blessed in that area. And then in 2017, I started having these bouts of fatigue and the very top of my arm, like a strip right down the, like about the width of a piece of masking tape. Both arms would hurt, but it was just a little strip down the top of each arm. And I would tell my husband, I don't know why I'm so tired. And it would only last for a couple of hours. I would have this really bad fatigue and the tops of my arms would hurt. And I was like, this is really weird. What is going on? And I thought, well, you know, I'm working two jobs. I'm raising a family. We're really active. All the kids were involved in ballet and scouts. And, you know, we were on the go. And I thought, well, maybe it's just I'm getting a little bit older and I'm tired. You know how it is. Yeah, especially as getting older and raising a family, it seems mm-hmm. like that typically that gets chalked up to, oh, well, you got a busy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You have a family. Like, oh, you should expect to be tired all the time. So what did I do? I added more stuff to my plate. Because that's what you do. (laughs) So then (laughs) we had uh, two foster children. We Mm -hmm. had a a wonderful uh, young lady who had a baby. And they lived with us. And um, through her, we started homeschooling. And I took that very, like, I don't do something unless it's 150%. I had to dot all my I's and cross my T's. I quit my full-time job. I still ran my photography business full-time. And I started homeschooling our children. First, it was the foster daughter. Then we, you know, the other kids were like, well, I'd like to do that too. On top of that, we joined a homeschool co-op, which was fantastic. And then through a turn of events, I was on the board, and then I ended up being the director of the homeschool co-op. You know, because why not? Woman. <laughs> and while that was happening, I became the vice president of a nonprofit in our area that did theater and children's theater and poetry slams and all kinds of things. So, and that's all the stuff I love. So I did that too. And then so I just had so much on my plate, and I went, "That's why I'm tired." That's all. Yeah, and it is so easy to chalk up having sure busy life, yeah. busy lifestyles, especially having children, and just go, well, yeah, yeah, you know, they're telling you it's because of your life circumstances, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, yeah, I could see that, you know. So, so it's easy to just write it off as a, oh, well, yeah, I'm tired and feel like crap all the time because there's a lot going on, and we're always busy. And- so I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, my best friend of over 30 years lives there, and every year they have a derby party. And if you know anything about Kentucky, you know about the Kentucky Derby. (laughs) And so, you know, it's a tradition. Do you wear one of those cool hats? Always. A fascinator, dress up. We dress up. It was great. That's where my children learned to gamble, was a retired ATF agent taught them how to bet on the derby. But anyway, we were at the annual Kentucky Derby party. This was in 2018 now. It was in May of 2018. And 
the entire weekend we were up there, I had that fatigue and that pain, but it never went away. And it was to the point that I was so fatigued, I remember looking at my friend and saying, I have to go lay down. And she's like, you? <laughs> I mean, I don't even take naps. <laughs> what is that? And I said, something is really wrong with me. And as soon as I get home, I'm going to go to the doctor because I think I'm in perimenopause. See? <laughs> I was like, that's why I'm tired. And it was really bad. Like, I was uh, not doing well that weekend. So we made it through the weekend. And I remember that drive home. It's a six-hour drive from her house to my house. And I had the kids with me. And I remember that drive home. I felt so bad. I was just concentrating on getting home. And at the time, the kids weren't old enough to drive. And I remember just thinking, what is wrong with me? Do I have a virus? Like, what is happening? Aww. So I got home and I made an appointment with my GP that we had had for years, ever since my husband and I got married. Get you a good GP. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I went to him and I had a list because I wrote down all my symptoms. And when they happen, <laughs> I love to document things. I love a notebook. And I said, hi. I had a really bad weekend. I'm having these weird bouts of fatigue. You know, I'm in my early 40s, and I think this is what's happening. I think I'm in perimenopause. He took one look at that list, and he looked at me, and he said, I don't want to alarm you, <laughs> but I am going to call our local hospital right now, and I want you to have an ultrasound on your thyroid because I'm looking at you, and I can see your thyroid is swollen. Do you do you remember um, a show on uh, HGTV? Uh, I think it's Flip or Flop mm -hmm. with uh, Tarek and Christina. I kind of remember that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it actually was a fan who was a nurse. He did an interview with somebody on television. Uh huh. And she um, somehow reached out to him and contacted him and said, hey, you know, I'm a nurse. I'm concerned about what I, the lump that I saw mm -hmm. when you were doing X, Y, wow. Z interview. You know, I think you should get that checked out. And sure enough, he had thyroid cancer. Well, my GP, wonderful, he looked at me and he said, um, he said, we're going to send you to the lab and do some blood work and do a full thyroid panel. And I was like, okay. But what about the menopause? And he goes, some of these are crossover symptoms that could be perimenopause. He goes, but these are not. Some of these, my hair falling out, my nails were flaking. Like I, I had everything down. Everything that I was like listening to my body and going, these are not normal. So immediately had blood work done. And he said, listen, if this is your thyroid, I'm not an endocrinologist. You need an endocrinologist, like a specialist, and I will give you a referral. And if you don't know of one you want, I can help you, and I know several. So I went over to the hospital. It was actually the next day, and they did an ultrasound, and I had a one-centimeter cyst on my the left side of my thyroid because it's like a butterfly. And listen, before this, honey, my thyroid was not even on my radar. I barely knew what that was. So wow. um, long story short, they did a biopsy. It was cancerous. I ended up having a partial thyroidectomy, and we can get into all that some other time. <laughs> but um, the gift it gave me, because everybody's like, well, cancer <laughs> like gives that. you a gift. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the throat. <laughs> The gift it gave me was this badass scar that I have on my neck and Hashimoto's. So the rest of my life, I will have uh, hypothyroidism. I will have Hashimoto's and everything that comes with it. And I do take T3 and I do take Synthroid. So, you know, anyone who has thyroid condition at all, you know, understands that. Listen, in the span of less than 12 months, I went from rocking and rolling to that really knocked me back and I have never been the same. The old me, I had to learn how to grieve because, mm -hmm. you know, I, and even now I think I have some dysautonomia or some other autoimmune issue because they come in pairs. <laughs> yeah, where there's one, where, where there's, there's one, one there's, there's more. There's usually more. So I'm still in the process five years later of getting diagnosed and going to doctors and firing doctors. And I mean, we have so much to talk about. 
Well, and that does segue us into this whole full circle of healing concept. Mm -hmm. So, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, um, in 2018, I'd had this concept. For one, my question was, am I experiencing these medical issues because of the circumstances of my life? And while I do believe that they definitely are a factor, as I'm continuing to dig and learn and try to get answers, it seems more and more that it's no, that they are a factor, not necessarily the cause. I still feel, though, and that's where the whole legal concept comes in, of being proactive and taking back control of my life, my body, and my well-being. Yeah. And seeing at least how much of this that I could mitigate as a result of being a proactive advocate for myself. And so as I told Sarah about this, Sarah was like, oh, hey, you know, I read this book that's like kind of along the concept of what you're talking about. And then I had another friend through Posh. And let me say this, people who aren't familiar with Poshmark, you may not really be able to try to her. <laughs> I didn't know it's, what it was. Well, I, it's so funny because I'm the one that's more like, oh, this is trendy and that's trendy and oh, this is, this is, you know, the this it is color. This is my favorite color. This is what I For the wearing. season. But then, yeah, she knows all the terminology. All the I designers. worked in retail. <laughs> I worked in retail like for that. years. So It's not that big. But um, as I was going through the process, and the, the first thing I was told, well, it's mechanical, not medical. And I was really having issues walking. And I am a girl who loves all things girls. So I love... She's a girly girl. I'm a girly girl. <laughs> so I had all of these super cute shoes that I could no longer wear. And that was quite a while ago because that was before I was up in the D.C. area. Mm -hmm. So we'll say, uh, I don't know, everything when my mom was around 20, 21. I sold off like my entire collection of shoes. They're like two different sales or, or whatever. So at that point, I really didn't have much shoes. One thing I adore, really adore, is shoes and purses. <laughs> and especially being a lawyer, and I frequent in court, I would have different, what I call, uh, court totes to where they would be some sort of designer tote purse that I would carry all of my stuff to court in. And for a long time, I just was not willing to let go of all of my purses. And while I was up in the D.C. area, I was like, I had gotten to a point that we were pretty close to coming on, I think, what, two years at that point where I'd really not been able to carry mm -hmm. my purses anymore yeah. and stuff. For my own sake and well-being, I felt like it was time to let those go. So I really didn't know how to go about doing that. I'd never been into online selling before or anything like that. It was like, okay, well, this place called Poshmark seems to be, <laughs> you know, a good place to do this. I happen to have known a judge who bought a really cute pair of shoes on Poshmark. So I was like, well, you know, what the heck? Let me let me check this Poshmark thing out. So I got online to on Posh to go ahead and sell those purses. What I did not expect was a huge supportive community. Posh really, really has been a saving grace for me in this process. My husband and I joke about it because I call it my mental health hobby, but it really, really is because something I've learned in this process, all of our systems do work together and they're all equally important. So it really is a, a mind, body, soul type of connection and they all do in ways play off of one another to where our physical abilities or inabilities definitely play a factor into our mental and emotional well-being. It really is a total body experience. It's all connected. And so it really is all connected. So a friend of mine from Posh, when I was telling her too, she had mentioned the same book and it's called the Body Keeps Score. Who's the author on it again? 
And it's the same kind of concept about the brain, the mind, and the body in the healing of trauma. And the reason why Sarah and I did decide to come together with this concept of full circle of healing is because we are not people sitting on our perch going, let us tell you what we went through and how we got through it. We are in the trenches. We are in the thick of it. And what we learned in that process is helping one another, being there for each other, being a level of a support system is what has helped us to get through it. Mm -hmm. I approached her one day and said, you know, years ago I had this idea. I was thinking about writing a book about it or whatever. I said, how would you feel about us doing a podcast and really expanding that platform and expanding that community to where we really help one another to get through the thick of it? I do happen to have a fairly unique background and skill set. There were so many times in this process that I would say, Leon, let me tell you about this that I went through. or Let me tell you about that I had to deal with. And I'm like, if I didn't have this knowledge or this background because this, this, or this, I'm like, I don't understand how all these other people could be dealing with it because it's overwhelming to me. And I'm like, you know, let's create a community of it and help one another to really get through it. But also, hey, why not share that special knowledge and skill set that I have as well? Because I know how hard it's been for me. And if I can help to make it a little bit easier for somebody else, I'm so glad to do that. And so that's what we're going to be. We're going to be a support system and a community for one another to just really get through the thick of it. Absolutely. <laughs> if you have your own story about your chronic illness or suggestions for future episodes, please reach out to us. You can email us at fullcircleofhealing2023 at gmail.com. And so I will leave you all on one little last note. Anyone who is dealing with any type of special need, and I would put that in any sort of context of any type of disability, any type of chronic illness, any type of autoimmune condition, I would strongly, strongly encourage setting up a special needs trust. In a later episode, we can discuss more about that. From a financial standpoint, I do feel like that's one of the first basic foundations that a, that a person should do in order to safeguard and protect themselves in order to be able to have money set aside for whatever their need or care. On that note, we'll sign off and see you next time. Bye. Great to meet you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Full Circle of Healing, please be sure to visit us on Instagram and TikTok at Full Circle of Healing. You can also visit our website at fullcircleofhealing.squarespace.com. We love it when you send us your stories, comments, ideas, and suggestions. So please feel free to email us at fullcircleofhealing2023 at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our Etsy store, fullcircleofhealing.etsy.com. See you next time.